0: Microcurrent is a much gentler way of doing it than the millicurrent. Both have their uses. I found that my particular need for a device is to loosen tight adhesed tissue, things that we feel as a tight point.
1: I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. Elon Musk. That guy with the electric car company, recyclable rocket business, and in his spare time creates next-generation high-speed underground train systems, was this past week declared richest man in the world. His response? Hmm. How strange. Well, back to work. How about that? No grandstanding, fist pumps, victory dance, or other self-congratulatory behavior. Simply back to work. I remember a rabbi who talked about finding that place within ourselves where we're neither desirous of applause nor avoiding heckles and jeers, that thin slice of equanimity where we're unmoved by external circumstance or the opinions of others. I fail at this all the time. Some years ago, I was in Taiwan at the main train station in Taipei. I'd purchased a ticket at the 7-Eleven. 7-Elevens in Taiwan are unlike any business we have here in North America. They're a combination of little city halls where you can pay your light bills and traffic tickets, travel agencies where you can buy a ticket to anywhere on the island, internet cafes with high-speed internet, decent cheap coffee, and a table for hanging out with your friends, and package delivery services that can make it a snap to send anything to anywhere. You oddly enough, can get some pretty decent and fresh fast food there, along with a shot of Guipitang or San or Jingwei Xuan at the checkout register. I had purchased a high-speed rail ticket that would take me from Taipei down to Tainan in the south, but I'd unknowingly failed to complete the transaction properly. And so I'm now in the customer service line at the main train station getting the problem sorted out. People in Taiwan are very polite, and so the customer service rep is apologizing to me for a problem that was clearly my own fault. And while he's working on a solution, I'm eavesdropping on the guy over at the next window. Like me, he had misunderstood something, and as the person helping him is explaining the situation, I hear this phrase from him. It's almost like a mantra. Huh? Hm. mm, Hm. Hm. Hm it translates as it's like this oh it's like this oh so this is the reality of the situation it's not said with malice anger or blame it's more like a moment of recognition that the world is not what he thought it was hmm I swear spiritual masters show up at the most odd and unexpected moments I'd been berating myself for not thoroughly reading the instructions from the automated ticket at the 7-Eleven that basically said, go to the counter and collect your ticket. And it wasn't because I didn't understand the Chinese, but because I had thought I understood the situation when in fact, I didn't. And I glossed over something important that was right in front of me. So there I was now at the train station getting it sorted out and thinking I'm kind of a dumbass, which is kind of like cheering against yourself. It's not helpful. But what was helpful was listening to and getting the feel for allowing a situation to reveal itself with more curiosity than judgment as I listened to the fellow next to me. Oh, hmm, it's like this. I'm a poor student of all kinds of lessons and thus circumstances seem to endlessly arrive where I'm invited into the equanimity of, huh, so it's like this. I find it enormously helpful in clinic with patients, in running my business, especially when dealing with the red tape of bureaucracy, in understanding my wife, and yes, even having some compassion for myself. Try it the next time you're stirred up about something. Hmm, so it's like this. But the trick is to say it without blame, accusation, hatred, anger, or judgment. Simply, hmm. it's like this. In a moment, we're going to get into a conversation with Malvin Finkelstein and explore his work of using microcurrent as a kind of hands-on bodywork. Malvin's been at the practice of acupuncture since the 70s, and I always enjoy hearing about a practice that's marinated in decades of clinical work. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment And the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit AccuFastNeedles.com slash geological to learn how.
2: Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Maywe Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Ponsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face, so subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit MeiWi.com. This season and every season, trust Maywe Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine.
1: And be sure to mention the code GEOLOGICAL at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. You know, I'm constantly trying to understand how mini and microcurrent work within the context of our work, and in terms of the basic principles of East Asian medicine. Let's get into this conversation with Malvin on the topic of microcurrent. Malvin Finkelstein, welcome to Geological.
0: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: Yeah, welcome. It's it's good to have you here. You've been at this Chinese medicine thing for, I don't know, like since the 70s or something like that?
0: Uh, I went to school in, in the mid to late 70s. So yeah, since the 70s, late 70s. Mid to
1: late 70s. I mean, mid to late 70s, hardly anybody knew about acupuncture. How on earth did you come across this stuff?
0: Well, I first got involved in it by seeing an ad for a class in acupressure when I was living in the Berkeley, California area, which kind of tweaked my interest. Uh, But before I had a chance to do anything, I ended up injuring my back. And I said, Oh, here's a good opportunity to try out this acupressure stuff. And I was unable to reach the acupressure person and to shorten a long story quite a bit. uh, I ended up finding myself with an acupuncturist. And this was In the very early days, before acupuncture was even legal in California, everybody was kind of underground, I experienced the treatment, and by the time I got off the table, I was 80% better. So that kind of convinced me of a lot. I then found my way to the acupressure class, uh, went through the whole series, just loved it, loved understanding how Chinese medicine explained all these things that nothing else explained, loved doing it, went on, did a whole training process with that, and went on to try to find an acupuncture school which at that point in time, there was actually only one in the country in Boston, the New England School of Acupuncture, and uh, uh, I made my way there and, and studied there.
1: Wow. So from the Bay Area all the way across the country.
0: It was clearly what I wanted to do, and that was where, it, where the only place I could find at that point in time that had the training I wanted, and, and it was great.
1: Good for you. How lucky. Man, it took me years to talk myself into uh, that it was okay to go back to school and study this stuff. And, and I had one guest on the show who said he went to study acupuncture because he overheard a conversation in a restaurant. Was this woman behind him who was saying, I'm going to acupuncture school. And he thought, yep, me too. It's so curious, the paths that we take to get here.
0: Yeah, well, actually, let me just give you a, a couple of interesting other parts of the path. So in the process of trying to find the acupuncturist, I was on the phone and, and over a period of days, my back had gotten so I could barely move. The acupressure person wasn't there. An answering service was talking. And I just asked the person on the answering service, do you know anybody who does acupressure or acupuncture? And they said, well, they got off the phone and they said, well, uh, I happen to know this one person and, and I'll give you their number. Uh, I called them and, and they said, well, since this person told you about me, uh, I was leaving town in two days, but why don't you come in tomorrow? Uh, and so it was, again, just really very much being directed by, uh, by the universe, how I describe it, uh, to find this. Uh.
1: You know, I would say that is not unusual, that there are these moments in life. I, I think of them as pivotal moments.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Where something happens. It's almost like slipping on black ice, except you actually land on your feet, but you're like in a whole different space. The universe looks and feels different.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the universe just flipped me 180 degrees in a different direction from from that event, and and my life was completely different from that moment on.
1: Where were you headed just before that? What did the 180 look like?
0: I had fairly recently graduated from college. It was in the uh, early mid 70s in another economic downturn, uh, where you know there were wasn't a lot of work. I was working part time as a a profession that no longer exists, a computer typesetter, uh, and a part-time musician.
1: Typesetting. I remember that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And you're still playing music, so that stayed with you.
0: Yeah, I'm still playing music. I love it. Yeah. So,
1: I suspect you've studied more than one stream of acupuncture over these years. And one of the things I know that we want to talk about today is microcurrent. How did you come to that?
0: My original training actually was, was primarily in, in, uh, uh, from Dr. tinyao So, James tinyao So, which by current terms would be called part of classical acupuncture, perhaps. Um, it was definitely a family stream, as well as training from various other traditions. Uh, Ted Kapchuk uh, taught us TCM, and uh, we learned a certain amount of the British uh, schools from the Van Buren School from a teacher there. Over time, I just studied whatever I could find, which meant studying lots of different traditions, including Five Element Worsley and all sorts of other things. I got involved in the microcurrent part because it actually goes back one, one step before that. Since I had originally got, begun this whole journey... With acupressure, my hands were really active in it. It wasn't just acupuncture. I was—I had both of those components in there, you know. Fairly early on in the early '90s, uh, I studied with uh, uh, Mark Seam and various other people and learned about trigger points and things like that, uh, which I integrated into my whole way of doing things. And at a certain point, I started taking classes in various forms of bodywork acupressure, tuina, uh, various other, other types of body work, and osteopathy actually at that point in time too, discovered that there was lots of really useful stuff in all of those parts. And one other thing in terms of how I actually, part of how I got to the microcurrent uh, is I treated a number of my colleagues in different professions who by use of their bodies in the ways that they had been working on their patients had damaged themselves. I was very aware that since I was working on a manual therapy, bodywork technique, uh, I didn't want my hands to go. Uh, I saw an ad for a a class in the microcurrent. And as you were saying before, there's these things that just kind of draw us. Uh, This particular method somehow kept drawing me, even though I had to really put a lot of effort into finding it. I initially went to my first class in microcurrent in Toronto. I'm in Eugene, Oregon. So that was a a bit of a stretch for a, a CEU for me.
1: Yeah, but you're the guy who leaves the Bay Area to go to Boston, so it's kind of in your wheelhouse.
0: Well, not, not so much now. I was devoted enough that I traveled anywhere to learn what I needed. Um, I'm a bit past that in this age of my life. But I uh, ended up in Toronto, found the, the microcurrent, uh, this particular kind of microcurrent, and I was amazed about how effective it was, uh, how much it really loosened up any tight tissue in, in points. Uh, and then I started adding it into all of the bodywork stuff that I'd been developing. All this time I'd been, you know, learning things enough that I was doing them on my patients and seeing really, really positive results on my patients. Kept on integrating all of that in. At a certain point in time, again, you know, talking about the 180 degree pieces, uh, I was on a, a medical Qigong trip in China doing a meditation at the, uh, the, the Lao Tzu Ascension site and went into an incredibly deep meditation, and I got the internal direction that I was supposed to start teaching, at which point I came back to, to the States, and almost as soon as I got back, uh, one of my colleagues uh, in the State Acupuncture Association contacted me and said, hey, we're doing a, a conference, uh, do you want to present? I said, well, what do you want me to present on? And she said, whatever you want. Uh, and so I made my first presentation of all of this, just saying I don't know what people are going to do with this, uh, and people liked it so much that uh, they wanted to learn more. And I spent the next year developing a whole uh, teaching program for it, and have been working with that ever since.
1: Isn't it curious how this stuff unfolds?
0: Very curious.
1: Yeah, it really is. We're going to get more into the into the microcurrent here in a moment. I'm so curious about electricity. I'm I'm kind of an idiot when it comes to electricity. I mean. I mean, I can use an extension cord to you know, plug into the wall and to get it to plug into something else, but that's about it. And, and I've had some training, and I've even talked to people on the podcast about electroacupuncture, but it's one of those things, I and sometimes I'm just a slow learner. I need to hear things more than once. I need to come at it from different angles to get it. So we're going to get into this here in just a second because I got tons of questions about it, but you mentioned that you were there at the New England School of Acupuncture in the early days with Dr. So, who I've heard about. He's kind of a legendary character. I came to it much later. I came to it in the mid-'90s, so he's kind of a legendary character. You say he had a family stream of acupuncture. Could you tell us a little bit about what that acupuncture was about?
0: I'm not sure if family stream is quite the the correct term. It wasn't one of the genealogical things, as some of our uh, acupuncture practitioners are. But uh, he had studied very deeply with his teachers. Amongst other things, uh, he at one point worked uh, in missionary work in Africa, treating hundreds of people a day, getting lots and lots of experience, uh, and developed his own very unique style and way of working with things, which was really, really effective. He was also one of the people back in the days slightly before me, if people wanted to learn acupuncture, they had to leave the U.S. and go somewhere else. They had to go to Britain. They had to go to China. Some of our elders went to to China looking for a teacher that they could bring back, and this group uh, brought back Dr. So. They eventually settled in the Boston area.
1: Anything in particular that you still recall from the methods that he taught That it sounds like much of it he developed on his own just because he was, he had background. And then he had, you know, the fortune of a lot of experience in Africa, you know, a good chance to like really see and treat lots of people and learn from experience. Anything in particular about his methods that.
0: Well, he did have a, considering what else is out there, a fairly unique style. He didn't leave needles in, he did very, very strong stimulation of points and got lots of chi, was very precise about his point location, and got very strong stimulus. So strong that if you didn't have a fairly intense problem, it was almost too strong for people. Uh, but, for, but for people who had serious things, he just did miraculous stuff. That's kind of the kernels of a very precise, uh, strong stimulus, and just very effective.
1: Yeah, all right. So microcurrent. Could you tell us what microcurrent actually is? I mean, I I know that there's these machines that people use for electroacupuncture, but we're talking about something different with microcurrent, aren't we?
0: Well, we're talking about a variation of it. There's millicurrent and microcurrent. Most of the acupuncture machines and TENS units are operating on millicurrent, which is a certain intensity. A microcurrent, as you can imagine, is a micro amount of that. It's about a thousandth as much intensity. Uh, So it has a very different physiological effect on the body. From my understanding of it, uh, it affects things on the cellular level to get cells to heal better. There's a little bit of research that I've seen on that to actually demonstrate that. Uh, The thing that was most noticeable to me, I've tried lots of different uh, electro machines over the years, when I found this particular a type of machine called the dolphin Neurostim now, and a different name back then. It did more for what I wanted to than anything else did. With any of these types of currents, millicurrent or microcurrent, there are multiple different frequencies that one can use that have different effects on the body. Uh, and there's lots of different machines and different systems that do all sorts of things and certain, uh, certain frequencies are equated with, with particular parts of the body, particular disease states, uh, and can be used really effectively for that. Microcurrent is a much gentler way of doing it than the millicurrent. Both have their uses. I found that my particular need for a device is to loosen tight adhesed tissue, things that we feel as a tight point. And uh, this particular machine seems to do that better than any of the other machines, partly because of the frequency that it's set at, which is about two and a half hertz uh, in a microcurrent manner, uh, what they call a square wave. It has a fairly small uh, probe tip about the size of a ballpoint pen for people who remember what a ballpoint pen looks like. they do not in use anymore, so who knows what people know about that. That right um, here. Yes, yes, yeah, I, I see that. old school. So it's it's fairly small, and so it takes very little current to go through a a small probe. Uh, It requires little current to have a very strong effect. And because of that, it accomplished what I want. It doesn't do all of the other things in terms of all the other frequencies that some of the other machines do better, but it accomplishes what what I'm trying to do in terms of really working with musculoskeletal orthopedic issues and releasing tight tissue and points.
1: Okay. So... This isn't like something that you attach to a needle. This is a probe. Is anything like those ear probes? I mean, I remember when I was in acupuncture school, these little devices, you like put them on the ear and they would buzz if it you know, supposedly found a point. And it was like diagnostic and therapeutic. Is it anything like that?
0: I mean, in terms of the size of the probe tip, it's probably somewhat similar to that. Uh, and it does have a point finder as part of this particular machine also. I the the system that I've worked out uses it a little differently than the point finder, but it's somewhat like that. It's a small handheld device. We're on audio, so it's hard to describe it. I'd say maybe about six inches in length with it with a small probe tip.
1: Can you walk us through a treatment with this? I mean I understand how needles work in a treatment. And you know I have played around a little bit with electroacupuncture over the years in order you can hook you know electricity up and and give people some extra stimulation but it sounds like you're doing something else.
0: I am doing something else. And as you said, it it is, even though you can hook microcurrent and millicurrent up to needles, that's not what this particular methodology is doing. Uh, this is a handheld unit that actually touches the skin directly. What I found that's useful is the way that I've developed to using it, I'll just kind of go into a little bit of a description. I found over the years, trying to figure out how much I should backtrack here in terms of stories. You like stories, Michael, right?
1: I love stories. You can, backstory is like the best stuff.
0: So we'll go through a little bit of a backstory here. So back a bunch of years ago, a few decades ago, uh, I was involved with the NCCAOM, uh, then called the NCCA, and I was the, the chairperson of the exam committee and ran the exams and developed the exams. One of the very early things that was done for the point location exam slightly before my time, but then again, while I was was doing that, was we wanted to, to test people on points. Well, how do you determine where a point is? So we gathered a group of, of experts from all the different traditions, uh, Japanese, Chinese, Korean, uh, French, European. We brought them all together in a space, asked them to find points, worked out a system with little reinforcements and black light pens so they weren't seeing what they were doing, marking it at all uh, to see, well, okay, where are they going to put a point? When they did all of that and then they then shone the black light on it, everybody was completely blown away because even though we all think of a point as being a very small thing that uh, you know, an acupuncture needle goes into or a finger goes into, that these points were anywhere from a dime size to way bigger than a silver dollar. And so they did lots of checking in and they redid the process. They asked people to make sure that they did them where they did them and, uh, you know, threw out a few of them, uh, but basically came up with not the size of a needle, but a, a much bigger size varying on the different points of irregular shapes. Also, they weren't round. Uh, you know, They were all sorts of different things. And each person said, this is where I've been doing it. This is where my teachers taught me. I've been doing this for 50 years. This is where I teach everybody. And someone else said, this is where I teach it. And it wasn't the same place. Even though they might have used the same words to describe where it was, they actually found it in a different place. Uh, that opened up my mind to Oh, well, the points aren't fixed places, it's something that, you know, has become more common knowledge in, in our day and age. And I started exploring on my patients. Well, this person has a problem. Let's try uh, this part of, of, of that field for him, Let's see what it feels like and what it does. Let's try this part. Uh, and I started just sort of seeing what would happen. And over a period of time, I realized that part of what was going on was that the places people were really getting the best results and where I was getting the best results were sometimes more closely associated with anatomical aspects than where the acupuncture points were mostly described. Maybe they were right near a joint crease. Maybe they were right near a tendon but not quite on it. And if one of the people had moved it to that place, I found much better effect in what I was doing with my treatments. Uh, And I started coming up with a whole set of Variations on point locations, and in some cases, completely new points that people hadn't done before that were sometimes trigger points and sometimes were something that trigger points and motor points hadn't even found. Somewhere later in the process, I started realizing that a lot of these were somewhere in the vicinity of joints, not places where many acupuncture points are, and that I Again, over a long period of testing this out on myself and on patients and on teaching people, I realized that for any given restriction in a range of motion of a joint, let's say the neck doesn't go sideways, there is a point that will release that. If the neck wants to go forward, there's a different point that will release that.
1: That will release it. You were talking about adhesions a little earlier in the conversation. You're looking for these places that are restricted. You want to restore that flow.
0: Correct. And and what happens in terms of my understanding is that through various of our everyday activities that we're doing, not as ergonomically correctly as we should be, we create positions, postural imbalances that the body then locks in place. The fascia glues up around various muscle and tendon fibers and locks us in place Everybody has forward necks, everybody has rounded shoulders. A variety of other compensations tend to happen. And when these adhesions are freed up at those particular places, the motion comes back, the body's able to work better.
3: Hello everyone, Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical, and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel clearing impedance in the free flow of yang chi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at Anne Cecil Sturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you.
1: That totally makes sense. You know, it seems to me, you know, we hear a lot about homeostasis and we talk about homeostasis a lot in Chinese medicine. We go, oh, homeostasis, it's a good thing. Homeostasis doesn't mean things are in balance. It means it's in a certain kind of functional balance at that moment and it holds things in place. It can hold dysfunctional things in place as easily as it can hold functional things in place.
0: Yeah, it does. And we tend to hold lots of these these dysfunctional things in place and continue operating and functioning fairly well until at some point we put enough extra load on that particular area that it says, I'm sorry, I can't work anymore. Uh, and you start noticing some level of discomfort. As most human beings do, we ignore those discomforts for long periods of time until they're screaming at us, and they're in so much pain, and we have such restricted motion that we have to try to do something about it, which is when people find their way to some type of healthcare practitioner. Exactly. Um, and, and, so, and then this creates a puts us back to, to where one of my teachers said, we allow all of the parts of the bodies to go home back to where they originally were supposed to be. And that's really the, the the goal of what we're doing in terms of the therapy as well as a home treatment that accompanies the
2: therapy.
1: Well I'm thinking of that famous phrase that we all learn in our first month of acupuncture school, Tong Zhu Tong, tong Zhu Tong, right? That which is open is not painful. That which is painful is not open.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let let me just finish the story because I didn't quite get back to your original question. We'll get there. So what happens is we have, we have these stuck areas. We have these points that release them. The way that, that I found works best to release them is, is doing a combination of things. I have the patient essentially stretch the area so that we can get into that area better and get a, a, a more complete release. The same time that I'm doing a what I'm now calling an acupressure stretch, it's really a kind of a cross-fiber, not friction massage, but a cross-fiber pulling of the tissue. All going into the place where it doesn't go. So you, you you press into a point, you feel tight. If you then try to move it in one direction or another, one way will tend to move less than others with your fingers. Mm-hmm. And so I do that. I also have the body going into that. The microcurrent device then you go, loosens you up go
1: into the place where it's not moving.
0: Correct. These places that I described earlier, that is the the place that will will address that particular not movingness. So my hands are on that place. The microcurrent device is on that place. I'm stretching it with my finger. It has hardly any mobility. Uh, I then put the microcurrent device on it, and it loosens it, kind of like when you're putting water on a sponge, and it just softens. So the tissue softens, which lets me get a little bit more stretch, lets the body have a little bit more ability in it. Then I'm able to get a little deeper into it. And one of the advantages to this way of doing it, as opposed to needles, is that the tissue on the next deeper layer, sometimes it is is at a slightly different angle.
1: And with your hands on it, you can feel it. In I your- can
0: feel it and I can also redirect my hands and the machine into that other angle. While one could do that with acupuncture needles and go in different directions, it's often a relatively uncomfortable procedure for the patient. This is much less uncomfortable and much more tolerable. There is sensation. People get used to the fact that strong sensation is useful because it releases So we go layer, next layer, next layer, next layer until we have that area working properly as much as we can in in any given session. Sometimes it takes multiple sessions to get an area loosened up and we do the various regions that we need to get to to get that particular area working properly.
1: It sounds like in real time you're getting some sort of change because you're able to go from layer to layer Of course, sometimes body needs time to unwind, right? And you don't want to give it too much. A friend of mine likes to say, you don't eat all your meals for the week on Monday morning
0: you know, just to tangent a little bit on that, each person has their own threshold of of what type of stimulation, how much and how long they take. And if you address that and give them what they need, it works better. It's why I think there's so many different styles of acupuncture from the really gentle Japanese styles that are either not touching or barely touching to the really deep, uh, intense trigger point stimulations. Different people need different things. And if you give people what they need, it works better. If you give them too much or too little, it doesn't work as well.
1: You know, I am constantly coming back to one of the greatest spiritual texts of all time is Goldilocks and the Three Bears.
0: (laughs) Yeah, right. I hear you. I understand it. You got to get that right porridge there.
1: So it's interesting. You started off. In the beginning, attracted to this course on acupressure, you've done a lot of work with your hands, all, you know, studying osteopathy and things like that. That's some very sensitive hands-on work. And, and here you are, still using your hands to be sensing and treating all these years later.:
0: On that particular note, I'm going to say something that's going to sound perhaps a bit heretical. This particular method of releasing a given point in the local areas,
3: Mm-hmm.
0: works better than acupuncture in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're, re- we're releasing the tissue in multiple directions, we're getting layers, and we're doing gently enough that patients can, can accommodate it. You know, you asked about assimilation. Uh, very frequently, as soon as we release an area and get the ones that are really the key parts, and sometimes it takes figuring that out a little bit, the range of motion comes back instantly. Uh, It's not waiting for a few hours or a day, as it often is with acupuncture, for things to change. You get immediate feedback, which also gives you the feedback about what parts were the ones that were really important to treat. So in, in future treatments, it educates the practitioner in terms of what parts need additional focus. I
1: don't think it's heretical. I mean, we know acupuncture is helpful. It's not the only thing that's helpful. It certainly has its place. But I have found over the years that sometimes I'll be looking for a point to see if it releases something, right? Maybe I'm working with someone's neck and I'm down there working on their ankle and I found some nodules or something that's gooey or, you know, whatever it is that's is that's got my attention. And I'll just go into it with my finger, right? It's just like, I'm going to interact with this tissue here and see what happens for the patient. Sometimes they'll get a not small response. And I go, great, now I'm going to stick a needle in that thing. And I put a needle in, I do all my good needle stuff as best I can, and it's not as good as my finger was.
0: Yeah, different tools have different things. There's, you know, there's needles, there's electricity, there's lasers, there's heat, there's lots of other things, lots of ways of stimulating, and they all affect things in different ways.
1: Jelly jar lids. Yeah,
0: yeah. Qua you know, right. sha. sha. yeah. Yeah, so, it, it, yeah it's, it's amazing. Essential oils, you know, all sorts of things.
1: I've never figured out essential oils. Have you worked with those?
0: I, I am not the person to talk to about that. I, I, I like them, but I've not used them in treatment.
1: Okay. So back to this little microcurrent machine. I mean, it sounds like it's a, I might be stretching here. It's kind of a high-tech acupuncture needle in a way. It's, it's something that lets you get in there in a very specific way and, and get something done. And because you're attentive to what's happening with the tissues, it's like you can follow where the body is leading you.
0: Yeah, you, you, you got it exactly. You're following where the body leads you. The way that I do it, there's different ways of using this particular machine, uh, but the way that I use it, it actually feels almost like an acupuncture needle because when we're on a spot that's active and tight the way I was describing them, uh, the body responds. You know how when you press on a place that's sensitive, it feels kind of achy when the uh, the microcurrent device gets to this tight place at just the right angle where it's getting into the tight tissue, it will feel sharp. It will feel a little bit like needles putting in. I always describe to people that I'm really not putting a needle in. I show them the ballpoint pen. We're really not putting a needle in, but it feels sharp. Uh, and that uh, lets us know that we're on the right place. The stronger the sharp, the tighter the tissue. And it also has the effect of, of not of occasionally having a sensation radiate from that area to another area, similar to how acupuncture needles will, will, will sometimes do that. So again, very very similar in terms of, of feeling.
1: So even though it's microcurrent, which should not be notable in terms of feeling like there's electricity, getting in with this thing at the right time in the right way, it, it will have a response like a needle would. I, I've had on occasion... Using a tasing needle, not always, and I don't do it all the time. But I've 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 played with them over the years, and on occasion I've had someone that I've been working with, and I've got a tasing needle. The thing is on their skin; it's not in them. You know, they're like, "You said you weren't putting a needle in me. What's that big needle doing in me?" So it's really curious how the body will sometimes respond to these very, very, very—I don't think delicate is the right word, but just these. You know, it's almost like a homeopathic dose of stimulation.
0: And I agree with you, Michael, and I'm not totally sure that that's what's happening with the microcurrent. I think it partly is because it doesn't feel homeopathic. I mean, well, of course, homeopathic, you know, you get huge effects from those things, too. The sensation is so tangible. I mean, I guess it's similar to what you were just talking about with your irritation needle. But when you get that right angle, it's it's very noticeable. It doesn't feel electrical at all. I mean, there's no buzzy, pulsy. Uh, type of effect most of the time. Occasionally, there's a little pulsing, but it it will feel sharp or hot uh, as as the reactivity. And it seems to
1: me that people who really like doing hands-on medicine, they like putting their hands on people. They like following what their hands have to say and using their hands diagnostically and therapeutically at the same time. It sounds like this would be a really helpful thing to add in there, at least a play with and see where it takes you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's also really helpful, I think, because it produces such quick positive results that whenever patients come in, you know, they, they're coming to, to see you or anybody else or me, uh, and they're trying to figure out, well, is this person going to really help me? how fast are they going to help me? How slow are they going to help me? You know They don't really have any, very much confidence. Maybe their friend told told them about us or, or whatever. But if we make that connection where I explain everything to them, I tell them what I think is going on, what parts are happening, how I'm going to treat them, and then I do something and they feel it be different, they've just started believing in me. Uh, and anything I do from there on in is going to have much more acceptance, and hence work better. So it's a really useful thing for anybody who is trying to begin their practice or move their practice forward in, in whatever it is to be able to add something like that in just because it gets that 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 quick quicker feedback.
1: Yes. Well, here's what I have found about patients in acupuncture. Patients don't care about acupuncture. I mean, they really don't. We like acupuncture. And patients will say they love acupuncture, but I I think patients actually, they don't care about acupuncture. What they care about is that they feel better. And if acupuncture helps them feel better, okay, they're down with acupuncture. I think it's the clinical results, however we get them, that is the key thing. And especially when it's not something that the practitioner has to talk a patient into. It's when the patient goes, oh my gosh. That pain that I've had for the past 10 years, it's not there right now. I mean, even to the point where I've had people get off the table and they look at me with that astonished look and go, it's not possible that that pain could be gone, is it?
0: Yeah. And, and that's what convinces people. I mean, when, when they notice that and it's, and it's in their bodies and it's gone, well, that's what they notice.
1: Yeah. And that's what they came for. I mean, you still do regular acupuncture too, yes? Or Yeah, you do. So how do you mix these things together?
0: What I tend to do, and when I teach my patients, I'm very much of of an innovator type. So I really suggest that people take what I give them uh, and integrate it in with whatever they do in whatever manner works for them. Uh, So the particular way that I do it is I have found that since I'm doing so much orthopedic work that... Lots of people are getting referred to me from all over the place, so a lot of my practice is orthopedic. Although that also includes visceral stuff, uh, you know, anything in the abdomen and chest really gets released by these things, also. So, you know, lots of respiratory and and heart and digestive and liver and gynecological issues get treated by this also in this kind of method. So, I tend to treat the local areas first with the with this method, which uh, I've I've named acucurrent. Uh and then I will. Uh, have uh, I will do acupuncture on usually distal points or uh, other uh, underlying constitutional points to basically get a relaxation response because I find that whatever therapy one is doing, if you give the body at least a few minutes to rest and assimilate, it works much better. Uh, everything we do in life tends to be active in doing, including doing acupuncture, including doing acucurrent. But giving the body a chance to rest, which ha- which is what happens when the needles are left in place, really enhances the effect. And then I use the acupuncture on. On, on those particular places, a, a long time ago, I used to sometimes put needles in those places also to get a deeper release, but I found that at this point I'm getting as much release on the local points as that person can handle. I almost always go to other places. other joints that are related to it. One of the things that I've discovered is uh, if you have a neck problem, part of how I choose my distal points is if we, we have the neck working right, we need to get the shoulder and scapula working right. And um, so my distal points may be addressing those kinds of things with the acupuncture.
1: I like the idea of, and I don't know why I haven't thought of this. I'm really happy that you bring it up. I love the idea of doing a bit of work. You ask the body to do something. You're doing that with your hands. You're doing it with the microcurrent. You get some shifts, and then rather than like okay done see ya, you invite the body to take a moment rest fall into coherence, consolidate, kind of marinate, let it in. Let it in and I swear to god the best steak in town is the one that my wife makes. I don't know how she got so good at cooking steak, but she's got this way that she like cooks it in a skillet and it's like ridiculously delicious and the thing that really makes it good is that she lets it rest for like 5 minutes before she serves it up to us. And it makes all the difference in the world. Yep.
0: Yep. Assimilation is really a key thing it's something we're totally lacking in our culture. Uh we we're, we're constantly doing constantly doing we don't ever let ourselves be uh, and 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 take it in even when one does yoga, one's doing yoga poses uh, you know it if you let yourself rest afterwards in you know, in the savasana corpse pose you you're getting that assimilation in but so many things we don't even do that. Uh, And it it makes a a tremendous difference. It's when the body really assimilates it in. It's when it comes into the parasympathetic system. Uh, It's when uh, things really integrate deep uh, on a cellular level. Uh, You know, it it builds the yin. Uh, You know, we're moving the yang, we're moving the blockage and all the other stuff, but we're letting the yin get built. We're letting that take in uh, on that deeper level when we're doing that other activity of just resting and being.
1: I think anybody listening to this could not help but agree that if there's anything we're missing in this society, and maybe actually one of the benefits that COVID-19 has brought us, is more yin, more rest, more stillness, less doing. I agree.
0: There's one other component of all of this that just takes it to the rest of the cycle, which is post-treatment care. One of the the other things that I find that's most lacking in in patient care is that we cause most problems with certain activities that we do in certain ways. And if we loosen the body up and we go back to those same activities in the same ways, we tighten right back up. You know, how often does a practitioner find that they treat someone, they get a really good effect during the treatment, the patient comes in the next time, how did you do? Oh, I'm in such pain. I, if you think to ask the questions, well, what did you do? Well, I felt so good that I just did a ton of whatever it is I used to do. And it just made it worse. So teaching patients how to not overdo their activities and talking about uh, ways of of shifting, how they're positioning their body in ergonomics really is one of the things that many patients come to me who've been treated by lots of other practitioners of, of various different types. And when they start not aggravating, not overdoing, all of the other treatments start working better, whatever else they're doing.
1: Well, it's kind of like that old joke About doctor, hurts when I do this. Well, doctor says don't do that. You know, which is funny, but to some degree there is a bit of truth in it. I I I can echo that in my own experience, especially with athletes and other people that musicians. Oh, musicians, my God, dancers. They're tough because when once they start to feel better, they want to go back to doing things at their usual hundred and twenty percent way of doing it and and I will often tell them look you know you're better now but you're not all the way better yet even though you feel like you are I would encourage you to go out and do what you do at 70% of what you feel like you can do not 70% of what you can do or think you can do 70% of what you think you can do in this moment and sometimes they follow that the ones that do get better but it
0: it is hard. And those types of things happen with all activities, including, you know, people doing stuff around the house, doing the wash, doing the vacuuming or whatever else they're doing. I find that many people won't do that. They come back in and they don't feel good. We talk about it. I'm very, very gentle about it. I don't hammer them on the head about the fact that they did that. People will get it at various different time frames. It may take someone messing up Half a dozen times. And they'll finally say, well, you know, you've been telling me that I'm supposed to be doing this. Uh, And then they finally start learning. And I actually get people going way lighter than what you described uh, to to really get the positive effects. But it takes a while to get people into that frequently.
1: In recent years, the Saam acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. 2024 to save 10% off Unico Needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. It really does, especially in our go-go world. You were mentioning that you can use and that you do use the microcurrent in your method here uh, with visceral work. When I hear the word visceral, I often think of like that osteopathic visceral work right where people put their hands on like you know move livers around and stuff like that when you're doing this work on the viscera what are you doing you know if you're it sounds like you can help people with their breathing you can help with cardiac issues of course i'm not surprised that you could help with digestion menstruation i mean those are like hallmarks of chinese medicine of course we should be able to help with that kind of stuff
0: what are you doing how's that We're basically taking some of the principles that come out of osteopathic visceral manipulation uh, and integrating them into this particular system. I do the same thing with cranial work on the scalp uh, and on the head. We're basically doing similar types of things. We're feeling tissue move underneath our fingers where where it's tight. In terms of the abdominal area, we might be going in just under the rib cage, right next to the xiphoid process, uh, for people who know their anatomy, and finding a point that.
1: Acupuncturist, of course, mean our anatomy. Yes. Don't we? Yes. I hope, I hope so. so. I hope
0: yeah. so. So we're going in that particular area, and we're releasing the diaphragm. You can feel the tension in the particular point. You can think of the, of what's happening at that particular place as the tension of various of the musculature that's attaching to the diaphragm, and then deeper down underneath it, if you're going on on the right side, you're getting to the liver, uh, and you can actually palpate the liver, and you can feel the liver soften and release. Uh, part of the technique we do is feeling not just the tension, but the motion uh, when you press on it and you palpate it. So you can feel when it's tight and not normal, and you can feel as it loosens up and becomes normal, which is how we know when we got into the place where we want. So, you know, the viscera are able to, the organs are able to be directly treated in a somewhat different way than the alarm or moor ma points would be doing, but similar but different. Uh, is the best way I can say. We're kind of going in a different way, sometimes on those same points, but feeling the release with this particular method.
1: It sounds to me that to do this kind of work, whether it's with the viscera like you just described or in a very musculoskeletal sense like with the neck, you need to develop a palpatory language. You need to develop a way of having your hands, first of all, gain a sensitivity to feel what's there and then i would suspect beyond that knowing what it means when you feel something and and once you have those two things then you're able to track how a treatment
0: works uh, definitely true. And I think acupuncturists have training in much of that since we, we, we're, we're checking pulses. That's one of our basic ways of listening to our fingers. Uh, and various different styles of acupuncture have abdominal palpation so that there's at least some familiarity with doing that. And these are just techniques that expand on those skills and teach you, uh, as with the pulse, how do you know what a tight pulse is? You feel enough pulse if someone tells you that's a tight pulse, you understand that's a tight pulse or a wiry pulse. Uh, It's the same kind of thing. You feel tight tissue, and you feel it enough times, you can tell what's tight and when it's softened and released. It just takes
1: time in the boat, so to speak, doesn't it? It does, yes. Yeah. You were talking a few minutes ago about when you were working with the NCCA, back before they put the OM on it. I bet they're going to take the OM away from it now, too.
0: A lot of people are, yeah.
1: Yeah, but that's a different story. We're not going to get into that. But you were talking about how in finding points, you bring people together from different traditions. You'd see where they put them. I know one of the things that I learned when I was in acupuncture school, at least what I, uh, did I learn it in acupuncture school? I was taught it in acupuncture school. I learned it later through my practice, which is that the acupuncture point charts that we see are a map they are not the territory and points can be in all kinds of different places sometimes they're quite close to where you see on the map but there's times i've gone looking for like a long six and it's in a way different spot than i expected so they also tend to move around a bit it's been my experience it sounds like you've been clued into for a long time now how points are something that how do i say this it's not that they're found it's more like they're discovered and i'm curious to know how you go about discovering where is a point for a person at any given moment
0: well what i found is my patients have been my biggest teachers in all of this uh, as well as myself i mean you know, i try lots of stuff out on myself i found that over time that there are particular places that are very frequently going to be where the points are. I start in those places, uh, and most of the time they're in those places these days. Uh, I don't actually have to do very much searching around, but you still want to search around for where it feels tight, where it feels tender, and where where the microcurrent makes it feel sharp, and which ones are particularly active. I think this is actually a, an important other point. There's lots of points that can uh, affect something, but not all of them are the ones that the body needs at that point, at that moment in time. They're the ones that are the most tight and the most restricted. One of the things, uh, one of my osteopathic teachers, uh, Ed Stiles taught me is in their osteopathy, they looked for the area of greatest restriction. uh, And I modified that to the area of greatest tightness tenderness and restriction also for points and wherever that particular is i feel for where it is as you said you use your fingers to feel for where it is the more you do this you just like people look at someone they can recognize them uh, you do this enough times you can feel what tight feels like you can feel what that area is supposed to feel like and so you put your hands on someone on their shoulders and neck and you can just feel where that tension is coming from your fingers get smarter and smarter as they do it more and more
1: they really do like like I was saying earlier it's like you build up a vocabulary it's like learning a language you build a vocabulary yeah and then and then there's the possibility of communication. What else should people know about this microcurrent that that you do if if they're interested, how would they find out more or start to dig into this?
0: Well a couple of things. Uh, As I mentioned, I've been teaching classes both live and online uh, for a number of years. The live classes in COVID times have, of course, not happening, but I have online training in all of this that includes various, what used to be Skype and now are Zoom calls uh, to actually get people trained better in it. And I'm potentially developing some webinars to add that in also. Uh, And, uh, you know, you can find that on my website, which I don't know whether I'm supposed to mention it or whether you're just going to have it listed there. You
1: you can mention it. We'll also put it on the show notes page so people can just jump right to the website and click on it.
0: Uh, It's accucurrent.com, A-C-U-C-U-R-R-E-N-T.com. And you'll find a ton of information about all of what I've been talking about, uh, as well as the ability to hook into the various classes and to get on my, my contact lists for that. Uh, but that would be one of the ways of really getting more information about it uh, and learning about it.
1: Yeah. These dolphin machines that you're talking about, are they pricey?
0: What do they cost? They're not toys and they're not ridiculously pricey. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in the, you know, approximately $400 range.
1: Oh, that's a reasonable amount to spend on a good tool.
0: Uh, and it's also the kind of thing where we sometimes have patients uh, get their machines to to do it on themselves, uh, and train them or their partners in how to use it on themselves. Uh, and again, they're priced so patients can afford them. Also,
1: do you find that people take that and do that and and, and work with self treatment very often?
0: It, it varies. Um, the people who are are committed enough to want to shell out four hundred dollars or something like that for a machine, tend to be more committed. Uh, I have a variety of other self-treatment methods that I give people uh, in terms of I've developed a whole uh, stretch movement strengthening uh, qigong thing called posture qigong that I have my patients do that identifies each of the postural imbalances of an area and gives them Uh, a very small number of exercises that directly target that compensation that patients do all the time. I mean, I have most of my patients are doing those things. And it's part of what helps uh, what I'm doing in the clinic hold much better because in addition to not overdoing, they also need to do something positive to reinforce what we're doing and to do it on a regular enough basis, other than when they're coming in to see, see me or any other practitioner. And those home treatments are really helpful. I have a lot of different types of tools that give people for home treatments. Those are a, a couple of the major ones. Some, some get the dolphins uh, to go home. Almost everybody with, with any type of orthopedic issue will get some of the posture Qigong exercises to go home with.
1: It makes sense. You know, it's not like you install the new part or you turn a screw and now the body works. Uh, So often, healing is not about fixing something so much it is about living into something. Acupuncture can certainly open a doorway in very profound ways. You had that happen the first time you had a treatment. I think a lot of people had a first treatment. Their life was never the same. You know, you, I mean, you, you're just not the same person afterwards. So whatever we can do, you know, to help ourselves and to help our patients to continue to unfold that, it, yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
0: So one other thought on that uh, is uh, I, I describe to, that when people want to get better, uh, they need to do what I call uh, use a three-legged stool, three-legged stool. Uh, one of the legs is not overdoing, not doing anything that makes things worse finding ways to work around that the other is finding things that make it better stretches heat whatever it is and doing more of that and the third part of the stool is finding a therapy that really gets in there and changes things more quickly you know it could be the acupacure could be acupuncture could be massage physical therapy chiropractic whatever it is that works for them but that combination of those three different types of of things that one is doing tends to move people towards health much faster than anything else. If you leave one of those legs out, things don't work as well. The stool falls over and you don't get better as fast or you don't get better.
1: And we know that a tripod is the most stable Mm. of foundations.
0: Maybe I'll start calling it a tripod.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I want to pivot to a couple other questions here. and, And these are questions that have to do with that You've just been a practitioner for a long time, and, and I'm always curious to you know, kind of delve into the mind of someone who's been at things for a while, because you've, you've had a lot of experience and a lot of time in the boat again, as I was saying. And this is a question someone asked me recently, and I've been asking it of other people, so I'm going to run it by you. What do you think it's helpful to say no to at this moment in time, in the work that you do, in the way life unfolds? What do you think is helpful to say no to?
0: Are you talking about in a general sense or in terms of treatment? In
1: any way you want to take it.
0: Ah, okay. Uh, I think it's really important to know what is is yours and not yours and what is too much for you to do. Uh, And I think that those balances are really important. We tend to step over them all the time. Saying no is basically about making it so that one can actually be more productive and functional. And healthy, uh, because if we are taking on too much stuff, we overwhelm ourselves. We can't do any of them right, and our system gradually starts screaming at us. And if uh, we're doing something that somehow isn't really ours to do, but somebody else is supposed to be doing it, things don't really work out as well for anybody. Uh, so that that uh, there's a, a way of asking on asking oneself especially when one gets used to talking to one's intuition and one's inner selves uh, that you ask, should I do this now? Is this mine to do? And you can ask, there's various different methods that people have developed including muscle testing and, uh, and crystals and dowsing to uh, assist with trying to get answers to those kinds of questions. But uh, they're really, really helpful to ask because when we're staying in the flow of our lives and what our inner guidance is telling us, everything works better. It's like when we know that we're in the flow, everything just clicks. We're going on. This works, this works, this works. All of a sudden, we're doing this and we're hitting all these walls. What are those walls telling us? You know, pain is one of the walls, but there's lots of other ones that are more subtle that we hopefully get to before they hit pain. Uh, and the more, more we listen to those and see where that's directing us to, and we kind of shift backing off a little bit, going in a different direction, it allows us to move forward in our lives with much more ease and gentleness and grace.
1: I love that question that you bring up in this. Is this mine to do? Oof, Man, I, I heard you say that and I was thinking, I, I should probably like write that out and put it on the wall. <laughs> it's a great question. And I don't think I need a crystal or any kind of anything to decide you know, any of that. Just asking that question feels like a kind of a reset. It's, a, it's just a little reality check.
0: Yeah, it's a stepping back from the moment instead of just barreling ahead and doing things. Is this mine? you can do that with whether you should do an acupuncture point. You know, as you're about to do the point, is this the right point? You know, That principle works on many, many levels and layers.
1: That's great. I'm looking forward to using it. And then the other thing I'm curious about is you know in our profession there's a lot of concern you know new practitioners coming along how they get trained and and more importantly how they get a practice up and running. What do you think students of Chinese medicine need to think about now so that 10 years from now they'll have a firm grip on a practice?
0: Well, I think getting a, a, a good practice has got several components. One is getting the right training, which presumably they've gotten enough of in their acupuncture school. And then is it's really learning how to put that into effect and knowing that it works. Um, I think that's one of the interesting things that, that happens, uh, for practitioners as they, when you begin, you try something, you say, well, I've seen this other person doing it, but if I do it, is that going to really accomplish what, what it did for them? You don't know, you don't have confidence behind it. And that confidence or lack of confidence has a big effect on the treatment because someone who has been practicing a long time, knows what works. They do a little bit of stuff. They know it's going to work. Most of the time it works. Nothing works always. When I started out, I just didn't know. So it's just doing things enough, watching people enough, watching enough people who have those skills and trying to kind of almost be them for a little bit of time. You know, what would that teacher do in this situation? How can I be that teacher? How can I have that teacher be inside of me for this moment of time and and do that and feel that confidence so that you get to that particular place where you are able to do that? That and having skills that get the patients to know that you're working, like you said, Michael. Uh, you know, if someone gets off the table and they're they're better. Uh, you see those things happening. That gives you the confidence. Um, you know, those kinds of skills, learning techniques like what the AccuCurrent does, that gives you fast results, is a piece of that also. But a lot of it is really just gaining that experience, getting that confidence, and and watching. Uh, other practitioners watching, uh, watching your elder practitioners who've been around for a long time, being in their clinics, seeing how they do things. Uh, I think that really goes a long way towards uh, assisting getting to that place.
1: You know, this is something I think is really missing in our profession. As students, we get a lot of opportunity to watch other people work, but once we're in our own practice, it's rare that acupuncturists hang out in a clinic with one of their peers and just like work together and watch each other. I mean, most of of the learning that we do is from our patients and our own experience. And yet it it seems to me that having an opportunity, of, of course, to work with someone who's senior to us, there's things that we can learn. But I'm thinking it might be helpful at whatever level we're at, if we could have a chance just to sit back and watch how someone else works. How do they approach their patients? How do they answer certain questions? What questions do they ask? How do they touch a person? You know, are they like outward with their energy? Are they more receiving with their energy? There's just so many different ways that we all have of working. And sometimes we don't even know what we're doing in clinic. And I don't mean that like like we don't know what we're doing like like we're ignorant. Sometimes we're actually quite competent at what we're doing, but we don't know we do it because it's just kind of a conscious or an unconscious competence. Intuitive. Yeah, it's intuitive. And so to somehow see other people work, I've just found this for myself, I'll have things reflected back to me, and I'll go, wow, that's a really powerful thing to do. And then I'll realize, oh, I also do that, but I do it in a slightly different way.
0: Yep. No, I think that's true. I mean, you know, the, that, that peer-to-peer and being able to discuss things and say, well, why did, why did you do that? What works? You know, how do you do that? Uh, and, and the watching is, is really, really useful.
1: Yeah. It's, and I think it happens in the moment and in the room. I mean, we can have conversations like this. You can demonstrate things online. You can demonstrate things in class. But there's something about like being in the room where it's happening. Something else comes through.
0: Yeah, one one part of my training is I, I offer all of my students the ability to follow me around, uh, to come down to my clinic and do it. And virtually every single person is, who's done that has been in, so raving and enthusiastic about what they've gotten from exactly what you were talking about—the fact that they can just feel, you know, a whole different level of how everything works—and doing that with any system uh, and, and and any other practitioner is really useful.
1: It's it's enriching well Malvin is there anything else that you would like to share with the listeners today before we say goodbye for the day
0: one thing that that pops up is just you know keep doing what you're doing keep learning keep doing your inner work your inner qigong whatever other meditative parts you're doing to get yourself uh really cleared and cleansed all of the time if anybody wants to learn my particular system I'm really happy to to share with you I'm you know, this, this stage of my life, I'm just into sharing what works for me, and anybody who wants to get that, I'm happy to share it with.
1: Great. Well, thanks so much for your time today.
0: Thank you, Michael, for having me.
1: I hope you've enjoyed this geological conversation. I never cease to be amazed at the variety of ways that we can think about and use the principles of our medicine to help people with both ancient and modern tools. Remember, I do love those postcards, or letter collages for that matter. This past week I received a letter from Australia with an inspirational few words cut from a paper coffee cup. Oh man, that kind of thing can make your day and help you forget for a moment the troubles of the world. It reminds me to pass along small bits of kindness where I can. It's not bad medicine. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked this conversation